Welcome to Beyond NI, a very low energy one, because I'm really tired, but here we are. But I will get excited, as we have a great guest um, of Oshin Donnelly. He's here to talk about all things SDLP youth, mergers, and trains, which is his big subject. So it should it should be good. Um, today's episode is hosted by myself, James Main, and as always, my co-host, Matthew Spires. Very happy to be here, as always, James. And then Oshin, how are you? Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Class. Uh, I think we, we usually start off with a nice wee softball question. Uh, just like, what, what's kind of your favourite piece of media, you know, from uh, this wee part of the world? It could be like a TV show, movie, poem, whatever you want it to be. Like. Oh, I'm not too sure. Like, at the minute, just off the top of my head, I'm going to have to say Dairy Girls, because it's the That's first show, thing like. that came to my head. <laughs> it captures the way people from the Northwest go on. Yeah. <laughs> you feel quite no, like no you, thing does. you feel a good connection to it then you feel like a bunch of mm. I feel like it is like I know I'm obviously not from like that part of the world but still like a, it's so just find something about it just very entertaining and very relevant even just like being from Northern Ireland in general I guess uh, whenever I was in first year I was living in halls um, where like I lived English ones now yeah. and I was living with like a couple of ones from Derry as well and <laughs> we would have it on and we'd be testing ourselves and they'd be like they'd sort of find it funny but <laughs> just sort of like look at us being like what the hell <laughs> i find it strange how it's so popular in america like because i thought it's it's so, it's so good local humor i thought this surely won't translate over there but apparently it's a raging success we put ourselves down too much all right so ocean we'll get into the real questions as such um just we got you on for loads of reasons, obviously, we've brought about earlier, but one of the reasons why is the SDLP youth in general. And we were just wondering, why did you join it? Why did you get involved? Your interest in politics, that sort of thing. Um, so I joined the SDLP um, about three years ago now, um, back in 2018. Um, although I had been like sort of eyeing them up. Well, a bit, I was sort of like looking at different parties, you know, but I think for the last year or so leading up to the point I was joining I was looking at the SDLP I was looking at the sort of people who were leading it the people who they were letting come forward and speak and there was an energy about them that felt different to um we'll say other progressive parties um within Northern Ireland um as well as having like quite a good presence like right across the north because um I would sort of be supportive of the Green Party as well, but they're very Belfast-centric, um, whereas the SDLP would cover most of the North, I would have to say. So yeah, I joined in 2018, and I spent like just the next year, year and a half or, or so, um, sort of exploring it and slowly getting more and more involved. And then 2019, I started getting involved in Claire Hanna's election campaign, which was a brilliant experience as like a first campaign um, because she obviously came home with 57% of the vote which was incredible and I don't think anyone would have predicted it would have been that high but yeah it was great to be a part of that and then off the back of that um, we reformed SDLP Youth 
at the start of 2020, I think. And then I, as a result of that, became the equality officer. And we were thinking, oh, 2020, you know, it's going to be great. We're going to have a load of opportunity to rebuild. Um, and then obviously coronavirus happened. Um, so like some of our plans had to be put on hold um, or reworked slightly. But even then, we've now got SDLP youth to a point that it's probably not been in for as long as like most people who are currently still in SDLP youth can remember. Like, um, you know, we've 10 branches now across the north. You know, it's a, we've never, I don't think ever had that in the history of SDLP youth. Genuinely, I always lose count of how many members we have because there's more coming in like every week or so. That's fantastic. How is that kind of, uh, do you feel like the intake of people has kind of changed how SDLP youth kind of uh, functions or like the views that it has maybe? Uh, well, SDLP youth, it's always been like, much like the party, it's always had like a broad spectrum of views. SDLP youth would be like more to the left mm-hmm. uh, of the party in general, but there would still be that broad spectrum of views. One of the big benefits about um, SDLP youth now and it's bigger membership and all is that you sort of see a snowball effect and you know you get more people to attract more members and keep in mind that we do have an assembly election next year the more boots on the ground the better and the more people that we have to run our campaigns or go to our events or take part in their own um, organizing within um, it just helps to grow the youth group more and more and more so it's fantastic to see we've just skyrocketed over the past year. How, how has your role kind of changed in that then, with like kind of the SDLP youth? Um, well, we found um, in particular uh, at the start of last year, um, it was very much a, whenever we were running, it was trying to find anyone who yeah. could run. Um, like I had to take like a lot of persuading um, even to run in the first place. And I think it was the same for most people. Um, just to fill a committee and now we're in a position now where we're building up to our next youth conference and um, most of the positions are would have been filled very easily Um, we have three three three-way contests for positions which is just a bit mad Um, and it's so great to see so much activity because if any of those people also then move out of their branches into the executive, there's people like coming straight up into their old positions as well. So it's just fantastic to see so many people and so many people willing to get involved. Yeah, and you, you know you mentioned there briefly about um, next year we're going into storm and elections and boots on the ground. And I think I sort of want to lead this into maybe the all-island approach of the party. Uh the progressive, not the progressive talk, but the more so talk of mergers that is happening. Um, we've seen in the past with the SDLP, there's been this soft sort of language with Fianna Fáil. But I'm also seeing maybe within the youth element of the SDLP, there's talks and more interaction with the social Dems and Labour down south. Could you explain what's happening really there and what are those links? So uh, for a brief like bit of context um the sdlp is a member of the party european socialists and has been since its foundation um it's also been a member of socialist international since uh, 1974 i believe along with uh, the british and the irish labor parties and through them we would have had strong 
fraternal links. Um, in addition to that, uh, a lot of the people in the parties um, who came in to form SDLP were from that strong labour tradition as well as that nationalist tradition. As a result of that, the SDLP became quite a broad church. This is where the whole, like, we've had SDLP politicians once they moved south. Some of them did join Labour, some of them did join Fine Gael, some of them did join Fianna Fáil. Um, and that's just the nature of what the SDLP had to be at the time it was formed. Um, it had to be that broad church for nationalism in the north, because obviously there wasn't enough support to have three or four different splinter parties. But basically, um, partnership um, between Fianna Fáil happened after we lost all our Westminster representation in 2017. There was a lot of talks. The talks eventually led to a what was called a policy partnership in 2019, um, which I didn't support. Um, I still don't support. Fianna Fáil wouldn't necessarily be my politics. It wouldn't necessarily be where my politics lie. Um, but uh, I think we've seen over the past two years, uh, nothing has really come from it. There's been no sort of real movement towards greater cooperation between the two parties. And at the minute, I think it is more of a chain that's holding the SDLP back from growing further. Do you think then that that kind of, uh, the as you're saying, kind of the broad church approach is maybe less preferable or do you kind of want to continue seeing a broad church approach? Would you like, I guess a better way of saying it is, would you like the SDLP to kind of pick what it is? Maybe. I think, to be honest, uh, I think the broad church approach, uh, it can work quite well and it has worked really well for the SDLP now for most of its history. Um, I think the reason why we lost uh, a lot of support is that not necessarily the broad church aspect, but because of complacency more than anything. Yeah. Um, so I think it is healthy to have a wide range of views within a party, as long as all of those people subscribe to a set of core values yeah. that we can all agree on. Um, I fully support the core values of the SDLP, as do all of our members. Um, so I think within that framework, to have those sorts of discussions um, in an open way is a, it's far more beneficial than um, some other parties uh, who would just close ranks and you know there'd be no sort of disagreement or bit on the nose who you're talking about what sure will allow it will allow it in fairness i'm thinking of more than one party <laughs> <laughs> some subliminal good. shots right there love to see it okay i think we, we've talked about the all island uh process and what that means so it's really interesting I, there's a good few things in there which i didn't know about so thank you for bringing them up but the main reason why we've brought you on today is because you're quite active on the topic of trains, which, especially when you look at this island and post-partition, what happened to them, I think it's a really interesting subject. So, Oshin, what is the fascination of trains when it comes to this part of the world? Why? Just why? <laughs> well, th this has somehow become like my accidental specialist <laughs> subject. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just think... Um, 
first of all, from like a non-political um, brain point of view, I do just think like trains are class. But um, <laughs> but the main appeal for me of railways and public transport infrastructure is the way that we can connect people and the way that um, we can link communities together that haven't been linked before. Now that could be on a nationwide scale, you know, if you're talking about like massive expansion of rail into the Northwest, or it can be the glider, you know, a bus route going from East Belfast to West Belfast, you know, because once you have those connections and once you make those connections, you'll have people who can move more freely between those places. They can learn more about each other and it'll start to break down those sorts of barriers, which we, we have far too much of in Northern Ireland. So you think that, oh, you go ahead, James. No, Mark, you go on ahead, sorry. Um, so, so you kind of see it as much as having like a social impact if you had like better infrastructure? Absolutely. Um, I think even if you look back in history, whenever um, the railway network was first um, brought to parts of Ireland, parts of Britain, parts of the world, you know, it came as a result of the Industrial Revolution. And, you know, it was a hugely, hugely transformative thing, particularly for rural communities, not just economically in terms of, you know, farmers would then be able to export their goods, um, you know, put their goods onto their, the train at the local station, um, take the train down to Derry, get the boat over to America, you know, ship them out that way. Um, and it's something that has been proven to be like such a huge economic driver not just then but even if you look at modern railways now and modern um railways being opened quite a lot of the time uh, the number of passengers very very quickly exceeds demand you know all of a sudden there's talk of expanding it further and it, it is um something that holds true for pretty much everything in terms of transport infrastructure um if you build it they will come regardless of its of its um public transport or cars or bikes or whatever else do you think then transit could be doing more especially when it comes to investment within the northwest and i know not to maybe grill you on this as such but now with you know nicola mallon your own party member within the department for infrastructure is it within the sdlp a wider view they're trying to push for better infrastructure up uh, in the northwest especially they get more links to Derry, down in the Oma, you know parts of the world that were connected heavily by trains um before partition and even if you look at the modern development of the of the state down south how much they cut off the west in general so are we maybe now looking at a an sdlp movement to maybe connect the island more to the west with uh, bigger infrastructure projects i think so um just in terms of um what Nicola Mallon has been a lot better than most um, previous infrastructure or regional development ministers on this issue um, because now we have different feasibility studies into uh, Portage Down to Armagh line. There's one um, on uh, jointly with the Irish government on high speed rail between uh, Belfast, Dublin, and Cork. Um, I believe also connecting Limerick and Derry into that as well, different things like that. Um, in terms of like what the West Throne branches and the SDLP are doing, we're 
really trying to like push for something to something similar to happen for the Portadown to Derry line, um, which is Portadown, Dungannon, Tyrone, Strabane, Derry. So that would all of a sudden connect a county of 250,000 people to the railway network, which, you know, there isn't a mile of railway line in Tyrone at the minute. And there's we have a population of 250,000 people or more, which seems insane. Um, similarly, I, I would like to see um, the department, because although Nicola is trying to bring about some sort of change within the department, it is still very road-centric, a lot, lot more road-centric than other equivalent departments in other governments on these islands. Um, so it's sort of like she, she's dragging them there, kicking and screaming. <laughs> but um, in terms of what she's done within the limited time that she's got, effectively, she's only got two years in this ministry. Um, then we're into an election and who knows what departments the SDLP might end up with yeah. um, if we choose to go into government. Um, but... Again, I, I do think she has been very good. I would like to see the department become a lot more ambitious in general. Um, I would like to see some sort of long-term plan or at least stick into the current plan that they have, which, um, yeah, I, I would like to see the department become a lot more ambitious um, in pushing forward a better long-term plan and especially working with the Department of Transport in the South because in the South, they have their Ireland 2040 plan, which basically um, anticipates a country with a population of 10 million people by 2040. And the sort of like infrastructure needs that those people would need. Um, but there is no equivalent plan up here for the North, not, not even like on a wider government basis, but within like specific areas like transport, you know, we need to start thinking more strategically about this. Yeah. Do you, do you think then that the uh, not again not, I don't don't want to force you to call anyone out, but uh, uh, do you think that kind of in the past like I don't want to put time limit on it, but in the recent history of Translink, do you think they've done a good job in kind of upkeeping the train service? Do you, do you feel like they've maybe not done a good job? Um, well, the in terms of the capital investment for Translink, that's always come from whichever department they've been attached to. And, you know, it's always been either at the beck and call of either the regional development minister or now the infrastructure minister, as well as the finance minister. So obviously it, it depends on their views and their party's views on yeah. rail and public transport and public transport investment. Um, but I think Trans TransLink as a whole, um, it could do like it could do mm. it could be better than it is possibly yeah yeah um actually you know what i, I, I was about to say something but uh, <laughs> i won't um so holding your tongue holding your tongue yeah 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 <laughs> maybe also if we're talking about this idea of grand or infrastructure projects especially when it comes to trains I wonder if we then start moving away from the diesel locomotive sort of era to the now electric sort of area as, as we are doing now with cars and trains are, or our buses are starting to change and how the fuel they run do you see potentially 
Would would electric trains work on this island as a whole? I think absolutely. I think they definitely work in the north, um, anyway, because in the north we run um, pretty much all of our services are at least one train now in each direction. Um, uh, most of them are half an hour in each direction. Um, a lot of those are like commuter lines as well. Uh, so it's a lot more, so it's very, very easy to actually justify, you know, upgrading that to electric rail. Now, uh, in terms of like building new lines, um, it's far, far easier to just put, you know, fit them in with electric cables anyway. Because rather than try and like retrofit them onto the current lines. So we might as well just do that. If we're buying all this infrastructure, if we're buying all this electric infrastructure, that's the way that we have to carry forward because um, I can't see any uh, minister okay in more um, diesel powered rolling stock for the North, um, especially considering our current um, trains are still quite young in terms of like, as far as rolling stock goes, you know, they've still got a good decade or so left in them, but we need to start planning now um, if we're to have a, a fully electrified rail network within 10 years time. Yeah, I think uh, Nicola Mellon has definitely been doing a good job kind of environmentally. Uh, I know she she recently announced the the green buses as well, I believe, isn't it? The, the Translink are releasing. I think then, Ocean, maybe the final question we sort of want to leave you with is what are your plans going forward with politics? Are we going to see Ocean Donnelly run and run with the slogan trains or class? Um, what, what, what are we going for here? Is you just more involvement within the SDLP or more policy research like you're doing now? Um, I'm quite happy at the minute with um, what I'm doing at the minute. Um... I'm running again for the SDLP Youth Executive this year, um, this time for Membership Officer. Um, so that's sort of what's on my mind in terms of the SDLP at the minute. Um, in terms of I'll run for election at some point, um, not sure, maybe ask me in five or ten years' time. <laughs> but uh, like I say, you know, it's not really at the forefront of my, my mind at the minute. Fair enough. And with that, I think we'll wrap this up nicely. Oshin, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to come and talk to us. I love talking to my trains as well. I think this is great. Really enjoyed it. Matt, I'm sure you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a good time. I'll have you on again, hopefully, if there's any more news development or if you have any more policy ideas, I think it'd be great to hear. So again, thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. And that's the end of this episode. <laughs>